Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Ooh, look at that. We're podcasting. And we're back again with another another mini-sode. Ooh, welcome to According to an Idiot. I am Mo. And I, excuse me for the yawn, <laughs> and I am Jeremy. So we're not going to babble so much this episode in particular, because this is a mini. That's right. If you're new to this shindig. That's right. This is a mini, and Mo has a job interview after this sure so we do. have to speed this up and in case we have to cut just know it's because mo was securing a job yeah i'm getting those money bags baby uh-huh. literal burlap sacks with dollar signs painted onto them it was kind of interesting because they put that in the job posting that is how i would be paid yeah so that's a bit interesting i also would it would be remotely so i'm not entirely sure how that yep. would coordinate but i'm very excited to figure it out yeah Sending you bags of golden coins. Yeah, through the mail postage. Yes. (laughs) So what we are going to be talking about today is a weird little story that I had heard through a different podcast Mm. and then researched it afterwards. This is the story of Sam the Sandown Clown. Mm, I remember you telling me this. I completely forgot. And now I'm excited all over again. All right. Okay. You have this weird fucking little figurine of him, too. I do. Yeah. I'll grab that shortly. I didn't mean to disrespect your figurine. I am so sorry. What, how, did, how did you characterize it? <laughs> yeah, I said weird, stupid, fucking little figurine. I don't think you said fucking, but thank you for having yeah. that. And you bought this piece of fucking garbage here. Isn't that correct? <laughs> it is correct. Yes. Thank you. We're trash collectors. I am a trash collector. <laughs> you leave my garbage alone. So, Sam the Sandown Clown, what does that mean? You're about to find out, motherfucker. So this story takes place in Sandown in the UK. Just to let you know a little bit about the setting, Sandown is a territory on the southeast coast of the Isle of Wight Mm -hmm. in the UK. Prejudiced. The Isle of Wight is a county and island in the English Channel. It is the largest island in England and the second most populated. So it seems to be particularly a pretty popular vacation Mm -hmm. or holiday spot. Mm -hmm. It's very coastal. Obviously, because it's a fucking island. (laughs) And uh, there's a lot of resorts and stuff like that. Interesting. On this place. So Sandown. Sorry. I just like. No, please. In in my brain, see. The the UK is this weird mystical place. And sometimes I just feel like it doesn't actually exist other than in our imagination. Isle of Wight sounds like a place in like the Elder Scrolls games. Yeah, exactly. It's an isle. You know what I mean? Right. The fuck that actually exists. (laughs) Yeah. I-S-L-E. But so Sandown Bay covers the Isle of Wight's southeast coast and is today a common vacation spot. Like I just said, I'm just rereading my notes. I apologize. (laughs) Please forgive me. The town of Sandown sits on the north end of this bay. And Sandown, as you can kind of guess by the name, is known for its sandy shoreline and also cliff tops. Nice. Which you see sometimes in these... uh, English islands. Do you love a top? Yeah, really, really steep cliffs. Mm-hmm. So as a town largely built around tourism, it offers many historic resorts and hotels to travelers and features carnivals and arcades. Fun. It doesn't feel like a place where people will actually live their day-to-day life, but mm. I guess it is. 
This place sounds magical. Yes, I'm trying to hype up this idea that this is not a real place and that England is in fact just a... Fantasy land. A fantasy land full of elves. Where people talk funny. They do talk funny. <laughs> we talk totally normal. <laughs> We're the only people... You know? ...in the world who talk normal. Everyone else is silly. Isn't that weird when you think about it? Like America is the only place that talks normal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about that all the time and like how stupid everyone else is because they talk funny. Like Loki really stupid, you know? <laughs> like no offense, but like, wow. <laughs> but wow, you guys <laughs> sound dumb. <laughs> you guys are like really dumb. Uh, anyway, so a significant... Oh, this is cool. This is really cool. I put this in just for me in my notes. A significant number of dinosaur bones have been excavated on the Isle of Wight and specifically in Sandown. Wow. Making this an extra interesting place. Sandown is home to the notable dinosaur museum, Dinosaur Isle. So the people that inhabit it are probably just dinosaur descendants. Yes. Well, that would explain why they're all lizard people. <laughs> they have talons and they die. They can't even talk. They actually just roar and stuff. Wow. Pretty cool. And you are only just mentioning this. I know. Beautiful. Well, it's a small detail. <laughs> but this further illustrates how long and varied the history of Sandown is. It's a lot of weird, cool stuff to it. Right. Dinosaurs weren't anywhere else. Exactly. Dinosaurs came from here. <laughs> Mainly just dinosaurs are cool, and I wanted to talk about dinosaurs, okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, especially in a busting your balls mood, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I definitely misheard that as like, busting your balls. <laughs> I'm like, is this some like knockoff cartoon character I didn't grow up with? Busting your balls. <laughs> it's a man with uh, giant balls who stinks. Oh, Lord. All right. Uh, get back to the dinosaurs, please. Uh, <laughs> so to put it plainly, there is a rich history to sand down from dinosaur bones and sprawling Victorian architecture to half wooden clown astronauts that are seven feet tall. Whoa. What? I'm sorry. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Transition. <laughs> wow. That was a beautiful segue. So... Sam the Sandown Clown, which I don't even know if this is really the official name for him. This is just what a lot of sources call him, like a little nickname. Mm -hmm. Sam the Sandown Clown was first reported in the 1978 January-February issue of the Bufora Journal, mm. a UFO-based periodical that was published in some capacity as early as 1964 and ceased publication in 2005. So a really long... Oh, sorry. That was a... I took your breath away. That was a hiccup. Yeah, this information is so fascinating. It's a, a longstanding UFO journalism periodical. Oh, okay. The journal was a product of Bufora, the British UFO Research Association. Gotcha. Which is a self-described, quote, non-cultist and scientifically evaluative mm -hmm. organization, unquote, dedicated to investigating UFO reports across the British Isles. That's how I would have interpreted that name. Well, you got to remember that some people listening are dummies. So <laughs> you really got to dumb it down for these goofballs. <laughs> I always think of UFOs as scientific and not at all cultish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Each issue of the Before a Journal is filled with detailed reports of UFO sightings as described by eyewitnesses, usually direct sources that reach out to the journal personally. And I read through a couple of these different issues. You can get them all on... God, I didn't even write the website down. I think it's just Bufora.com mm. or whatever. So the 1978 issue of the Bufora Journal is crowded with different reports of UFO-related happenings from flying saucers spotted over the countryside to alleged encounters with unearthly creatures. Pages of stories involving ordinary people obsessing over lights in the sky or the distant glimpse of a spaceman that disappears upon a second look. Mm. Almost all of these stories, to be honest, were just people being like, 
I saw a light in the sky <laughs> and it was gone. Oh my God. That's fascinating. That was such a good impression. You could tell that they just like, you know what? We're low on stories this month. We'd have to add this one. Mm -hmm. So watch out for lights. I saw a light in the sky. In the sky. <laughs> I know. I lost it. So anyways, <laughs> stories varied in length and excitement, as I said, because a lot of them were pretty... Um, Stupid. But um, in this specific 1978 February-January edition, amongst the clutter of short reports about UFOs and alien-adjacent oddities is the report on the Sandown Clown titled Sandown Spaceman or Golf Links Ghost. Ooh. And Golf Links is just a golf course. Yeah. Because this took place near a golf course. <gasps> That's where all the spooky stuff happens. Always. Like angry white men playing golf. Right? That's where Mothman was spotted for the first time. Mm-hmm. Sure. So <laughs> the entry is longer than most, spanning multiple pages, and was a lot more detailed than other stories. And it was far more eerie and abstract, due in part because the report's eyewitness was a seven-year-old kid. Oh. And kids say the darndest things. Mm-hmm. So in this report, a man reached out to the Before Journal with a supposedly true account told to him by an anonymous man called Mr. Y. Okay. Mr. Y gave permission to share his story with the journal on the condition that he remained totally anonymous due to his daughter's involvement in the story. Oh, okay. Which originally occurred years previous in 1973. Okay. So he's trying to protect his daughter. I think we can all agree that that is admirable. That is suspicious. And it's not an excuse to, <laughs> you know, you know, make the story more believable when you made it up. Or maybe I forgot what I was already going to say. Never mind. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or you seal. Or maybe. Or, or, or. He is suspicious <laughs> why i don't know i can't remember but he is i don't know this man lives in a place where there's beaches and resorts and golf courses so may 1973 tuesday 4 p.m lake common sandown that's the area that they are in <laughs> okay so Faye, which is the alias given to mr y's seven-year-old daughter and her friend a boy unnamed close in age to Faye. Mm -hmm. what do you want his name to be Jay, Faye and Jay. <laughs> Faye and Jay in the morning. Sounds like a radio show. Right. So Faye and Jay were out playing near <laughs> Lake Common Road. Now, some I couldn't even really decipher where this information came from because it wasn't in the original Before Journal mm -hmm. article. But some sources report that Faye and her friend were in that area vacationing with their families in Lake, which is a village nestled on Sandown Bay and adjacent to the town of Sandown. Irrelevant, but... Much like the plot of Dirty Dancing. Is it? Yeah. I haven't seen Dirty Dancing. What? Never? Uh, I don't know. It sounds too raunchy for me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to see it. Families go to a place to vacation. Yes. And then there's dancing. And then your daughter hooks up with a <laughs> down and dirty dancer named Patrick Sweezy. 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 Patrick Sweezy. Anyways. <laughs> Hunks aside, while wandering along Lake Common Road, Faye and, and the boy, Jay, heard a distinct wailing noise somewhere in the distance. Mm. The kids likened the noise to an ambulance siren. Can you do an impression of this? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Be it childish curiosity or an urge to escape the otherwise quiet afternoon, Faye and Jay decided to follow the strange whales and discover where... And what it was coming from. 
<laughs> the noise led them away from Common Lake and across the sprawling golf course of the Shanklin and Sandown Golf Club, which borders Lake Common. Crossing into the hedge at the edge, <laughs> that rhymes, <laughs> crossing into the hedge at the edge of the golf course, the kids trudged into a swampy meadow. <laughs> they moved closer and closer to the wailing. Thank you. <laughs> Until they came upon an old wooden footbridge stretching over a shallow creek. So can you imagine this bridge? I imagine it's a wooden bridge. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting from this description is a wooden bridge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, you really are psychic. <laughs> Astral projecting to the bridge. Right. As the kids approached the footbridge, the wailing stopped. <laughs> it has concluded. <laughs> Suddenly something emerged from beneath. Whoa. A large three-fingered hand in a blue glove rose up, gripping the edge of the bridge, and a strange figure lifted itself out from under it. Ew. According to Faye's description, the figure was towering and awkward, standing at an estimated seven feet tall. Okay, well, she's also seven, so... So she, he was probably 5'3". Right. <laughs> <laughs> The thing was lanky, but was missing a neck. Instead, its head appeared to be wedged straight into its shoulders. Ew. So sounding like Slenderman. Kind of. It's very, like, strange and awkward and gangly. On its head was a yellow pointed hat, which interlocked with the red collar of a green tunic. Hmm. At the top of his hat, there was a round black knob with two wooden antennas fixed to either side. The face was big and white with triangle sockets for the eyes. A brown square for its nose motionless yellow lips wooden slats protruded from the ends of his shirt sleeves and the cuffs of his white pants it had bare feet that were large and three-toed with pale white skin hmm. after emerging from under the bridge the creature began fumbling with what appeared to be a book it had been holding it stumbled and tripped dropping the book into the creek this just sounds like those kind of times when kids are like trying to make up characters and they can't stop adding really detailed <laughs> Parts that don't make sense at all, like square nose that's brown and antennas, and also three toes and yes. blue gloves, yeah, <laughs> clammy with a white complexion and yellow lips. And oddly enough, it had an erection, which was kind of strange. <laughs> so, after splashing clumsily in the water, the creature finally retrieved his book and made its getaway, fleeing the creek in a high kneed run, hopping awkwardly, described like an astronaut walking on the moon. Hmm, okay. But, like, way less cool. Yeah. Gangly and gross. Picture, like, you're running in a bouncing thing with, like, your knees reaching your chest. What's your, like, impersonation of this guy as a British man? Him as a British man? Yeah, because we're, we're in the UK, so he's British. That's right. Yeah. Oh, i got to get away from these kids, I do. <laughs> these kids are going to catch me, innit? <laughs> so... Oh, that was good. The, the kids stood and stared as it moved in a hurry <laughs> goose step toward a small windowless shed made of shimmering metallic material. Mm. Either due to fear or sheer confusion, the kids moved away from the bridge and nearby metallic hut. The kids had cleared some 50 yards, and that's when they heard a commotion from behind and turned to see the clown-like creature exiting its hut, approaching with its awkward gait, mm. this time holding a black-knobbed microphone with a white cord that connected the microphone device to a small black box the creature held in its opposite hand. What in the world? With the mic and the black box that seemed to function as an amplifier, the harsh wailing sound returned. 
Now even louder. <laughs> Understandably frightened by the image of a seven-foot-tall robot clown monster hop-stepping toward them, made even more jarring by the blaring monotone siren, the boy ran off. Faye soon followed, looking back when the wailing suddenly stopped again, to see the creature holding the microphone to its painted lips. And in perfect clarity, as if it was right behind her shoulder, it asked calmly, Hello, are you still there? Gross. Or should I say, hello, you still there? <laughs> the voice was clear and friendly, but what shocked Faye most was, despite the distance, like I said, it sounded like it was like right, they were, again, 50 yards away. It sounded like he was right next to her. Well, he also had a microphone, apparently. Since... But even microphones, like they don't have the clarity mm. of being right in your ear. But this man also has a square nose, three toes, <laughs> um, no neck. And yeah. is apparently an astronaut. But Mo, the microphone just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> How does he sound this clear? <laughs> Damn, that's a good quality microphone. Right. So both children, disarmed and immediately calmed by the gentle voice, turned and cautiously moved back toward the creature. Ugh. Because kids are fucking stupid. Yeah. Also, they're British. <laughs> so British. <laughs> so dumb times too. Yeah, I'm sorry, English people. If there's any consolation, American media has taught me to assume that all British people are more intelligent than me. Yeah. I mean, some British accents. Yeah. <laughs> it's either like you're a genius academic or you're like a peasant. Right. Yeah, exactly. But my confidence in American intelligence is oh my God. substantially low. So yeah. this is mostly poking fun and trying to drag you down with us. Yeah, right, you're right. <laughs> you know what we've done. So <laughs> Keeping a generous distance between them and it... Faye and Jay stared across the swampy pasture at the creature as it retrieved the book it had previously dropped in the creek. It opened it up and began writing in its pages. When it had finished writing, it held open the book at the children as if displaying a message for them to read. Mm -hmm. Faye approached close enough to read the pages. She found a series of random words scrawled across the pages in large, childish handwriting. Mm -hmm. As the message had been written chaotically in non-sequential order, the thing raised one of its large gloved hands to the notebook, pointing to individual words in the intended order that he wanted Faye to read them in. This sounds like a trick. So Faye read aloud each word as the creature pointed to it, and the message read, Hello, and I am all colors Sam. Okay. The creature, who we'll refer to as Sam from now on, began to converse with Faye and the boy verbally and without the use of its microphone. Thank God. Yeah, Sam asked Faye and the boy about themselves, and they grew comfortable enough to ask Sam some questions as well. First, about his odd wardrobe, asking why his clothes were so strange and looked tattered. Sam replied that they were the only clothes he had. Faye noted later that while Sam could speak audible and coherent English without his microphone, his lips didn't move at all when he spoke. Mm. And as such, his speech was stiff and resembled that of a person speaking through their teeth or not opening their mouth properly. Hello? I'm Sam. <laughs> so with the microphone, he spoke clearly. And then when he speaks without it, he has this very like, mm -hmm. like he's wearing a suit, honestly. Right. You know what I mean? When you wear a suit, you can't talk. Oh, yeah. I mean like a dress suit. I don't mean like a costume. I mean like, like when you go to a wedding, you can't talk because you're wearing a suit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, but like if it was like a mascot <laughs> costume, like if someone's wearing a plastic mask, you know how you can't hear them? It's kind of like that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The kids then asked if he was some kind of ghost. And Sam said, quote, well, not really. 
but I am in an odd sort of way. Hmm. Okay. Faye asked, what are you then? And Sam replied, you know, and gave no further explanation. Okay. That's upsetting <laughs> simply because it's just irritating. Like just yeah, answer. And vague and strange. Yeah, exactly. And vague. Yeah. Ambiguous. And absurd. Uh, Sam did, however, elaborate on his name, explaining that despite referring to himself as Sam, he actually had no name. Okay. Furthermore, Sam assured the kids that there were others like him currently on Earth and made a rough sketch of what his people looked like on a page in his book. Don't worry, guys. There are more of me. We're all over watching. Yeah, don't worry, guys. It gets fucking worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't stop us. So Sam told Faye and the boy Jay... That he was frightened of humans, expressing concerns of being attacked, noting that if he were attacked by anyone, he would not fight back. Hmm. So he's sort of incapable of, of defending himself. Well, yeah, that makes sense based on how he looks <laughs> yeah, and also his gangly nature. Fucking dweeb. Yeah, fucking nerd. I saw him, I'd be like, yeah, easy target. I'd beat the shit out of him just because I, just because. We're going for it. Yep. If me and you approached him, I'd say, Mo, you know what to do. And then we'd start <laughs> beating the shit out of him because we're monsters. Except we're in the UK, so we got to go, Jeremy, you know what to do. You know what to do. <laughs> Let's get him. So it's like that, eh? We roll up our sleeves and we start beating him up. Uh, Sam invited them into his metal shack. Never go to a secondary location, kids. Right. This is very important. So important. Exactly. Well, did. first location was the golf course. Secondary location was the weird bridge. And now tertiary location is the shack. Love shack. If you see a faded <laughs> sign by the side of the road. Make a love shack. So this was the 70s. The kids didn't really know about stranger danger. So they went, they obliged. They're like, hell yeah, let's get into this weird monster's metal shack. There's probably cool things in there. Mm -hmm. In the Before a Journal excerpt, their entrance and observations were described as such. This is a direct quote. The children crawled through a flap in his hut, which contained two levels. The lower had plenty of headroom and was wallpapered in blue-green and covered with a pattern of... And covered... Excuse me, I'm about to vomit. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> and and covered and covered with a pattern of dials. Oh. It also had an electric heater and simple wooden furniture. The upper level was less spacious and the floor was metallic. Again, not much detail, but a, a weird collection of things. Essentially, yeah. two floors. Top floor was like metal. And the bottom floor was kind of camouflaged as like a living space. There was wallpaper, but also dials like on a spaceship. And there was wooden furniture, which is... When you said dials, I was thinking of, like, the die. Like Jewish people use. Isn't that called a dial? What? What are you talking about? You anti-Semitic monster. <laughs> the, dial? The, like, little spinner guys with the little stick on top, and you like, doo. Those are called dreidels. Dreidels. <laughs> uh, not at all. Like God. what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why my Come back to the Midwest, you <laughs> goy. You're saying there's dials, and I'm like, man, this guy has a weird fascination with dreidels. Yeah, wow, I know nothing about the Jewish people. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once inside, their conversation continued, and the topic of food led to Sam revealing his diet. It was the keto diet, and he's, he's like, a, no. Sam said that he survived solely on berries, which he'd gathered each day in the late afternoon. From this golf course. That's just ripe <laughs> with foliage. He's been eating golf balls. 
Additionally, Sam drank from the nearby creek and assured them that the water was safe for him to drink, quote, once he had cleaned it. Mm, nice. Good job. Good job, man. And the strange metal hut was not Sam's only refuge. He referred to a kind of encampment located off the Isle of Wight on mainland England, where he would allegedly visit. So while in his hut, Sam had removed his pointed yellow hat to reveal round ears that were paper white, and the top of his head was thinly covered with sparse brown hair. Mm -hmm. Most interesting of Sam's quirks is what the story source called a, quote, conjuring trick, which he performed for the children with food. As Sam had mentioned, he ate wild berries collected outside his hut. During their visit, the children watched Sam snack on such a berry in a truly bizarre fashion. Sam would place a berry in his ear, then lunge his head forward, causing the berry to disappear into his ear and reappear out of his triangular eye socket. Ooh. Goes in his ear, shakes his head forward, it comes out his eye, which is fucking terrifying. What in the world? If you were a kid. And then what? Well, Sam would lunge his head forward a second time and the berry would disappear and then reappear in his mouth, at which point he would eat it. It just sounds so convoluted. Just put it in your mouth. Well, it's implied Sam ate all his berries through this ritual, and in the Before Journal, editor Norman Oliver offered his theory that this conjuring trick could have been some sort of technological screening process, writing, quote, A possible explanation could be that he was wearing some kind of protective mask and analyzing the berry to check it wasn't poisonous. That's giving a lot of thought and consideration into this. Yes. Probably child's tale. Child's like imagination. I mean, to me, it kind of sounds like multiple things. It could be just fantasy made up. There is a lot of weird details. You could argue like, yeah, it's definitely made up because there's too many details. But you could also say like, it's too weird to be yeah. just made up. Like maybe they saw something. To me, it's like a lot of times when I was a kid, I would see things I didn't understand. And then I would turn them into something way different than they actually were. Yeah, for sure. And that's just like a psychological thing. Like your yeah. brain tries to like attach meaning to things based on seeing things that you've seen before. And in a more supernatural way, we've talked about tulpas before, about how, like, if you can't comprehend what weird thing you're seeing, your brain will replace it with what you can understand better. Mm -hmm. Or reversely, this thing was making itself appear pleasant to a child because it looks like a child's toy, like a clown. Right. It just sounds like very whimsical. Like it's trying to cater to the children to not scare them. Exactly. Yeah. In full, the kids' visit with Sam lasted roughly half an hour, and after saying their goodbyes and crawling back out of the strange little hut, Faye and Jay ran off, racing through the trees and across the neighboring golf course, stopping the first person they could find and reporting that they had met a real ghost. Whoa. Despite the fact that he said he wasn't really a ghost, but whatever. Yeah, but kids don't fucking care about that. Kid, they weren't even listening. They're just like, cool, you're a ghost. <laughs> the first person <laughs> they told immediately laughed off um, their claims. I guess they found some old man playing the golf course and like, hello, mister. You'll never believe what we just saw. <laughs> and then he's like, that's not your, that's, I'm an American. And I talk like this and you guys are idiots. <laughs> Why is Jay sound like he's. 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a chain smoker because, you know, it was the 70s. Kids could smoke. Right. Over there in the woods. <laughs> uh, I, we saw a clown, we did. You're such a voice actor. I'm an American golfer and I'm frightened by your manly voice. <laughs> so unsurprisingly, no one gave the children's story much serious thought, but they remained confident they had met a real ghost or monster or at the very least, uh, maybe a deranged man in a costume. Mm -hmm. You know, who knows? But Faye told her father, which again was the source, Mr. Y, 
three weeks later on June 2nd, 1973. Initially, Faye's father found his daughter's fantastical ravings to be just that, Mm -hmm. fantasy. After all, it's not unusual for children to spin, like we said, impossible stories for attention or or like mistake make-believe as reality because the kid's imagination can be pretty insane. Yeah. Um, What made her father reconsider the story of Sam was the abundance of details that Faye was recounting to him and how deeply frustrated she was when he suggested that she had made the story up. Okay. So Mr. Y was quoted writing, I get the impression that Faye was taken into a bubble of alien reality created by this strange persona. Okay. He told them he had just made his hut. Also, Faye told me that while they were talking to this ghost, two workmen nearby were repairing a post. They paid no attention to the weird charade as though they could not see it. Mm, The classic only children can see this. Only children can see it. (laughs) So the journal's editor, Norman Oliver, closed the article by adding that Mr. Y also claimed that he had gone to the spot near the bridge where Faye had been and no shed or structure of any kind was found nearby. No evidence like stray pieces of material or like depressions in the ground. None of that was found. Only depressions of the mind. Only the depression that he had as a single father. Um, I have no idea if he was a single father. Why didn't he go with the kids? Because the kids could have like pointed it out to him. I mean, he might have gone with the kids. For all you know, he was just wandering around like, yep, nothing's here. Yep, that's <laughs> how I sound. Ain't nothing here, boss. <laughs> but Faye's father, Mr. Y, was no stranger to baffling sightings of freak show mystery shit. Mr. Y recalled an isolated UFO sighting in his correspondence with the Beaufort Journal. According to an editor's note, not only had Mr. Y provided a detailed dossier of his daughter's encounter with the Sandown Clown, he also shared his personal experiences with the unexplained. Three years prior to Faye's story on Tuesday, October 20th, 1970, he was driving from Shanklin to the village of Ride to visit a friend. This all happened within or near the Sandown area. Um, And these stories are not as interesting as the clown story, so I'll try to make it brief. It was 7 p.m. and dark. Passing a vast, swampy nature reserve, Mr. Y noticed a massive, multi-lit aircraft hovering aimlessly over the area, appearing to stop or slow at the edge of a river. He stopped his car and watched, clearly identifying a, quote, wide ring of seven or more lights, each of them a large sphere, described by Mr. Y as being like a bright red cherry. The aircraft emitted no sound, and when Mr. Y resumed his drive, he noticed the aircraft creeping up beside him, flying parallel with him, just outside the town of St. Helens. Okay. The craft diverted its parallel trajectory, quickly cutting across the darkened countryside, closing in on Mr. Y's vehicle, roughly 300 yards behind him. He watched the hulking silent airship descend sharply, lowering to the point of which it nearly touched the surrounding hedges. Mm -hmm. Mr. Y noticed the lights had altered, appearing smaller with only four red spheres of light visible. These four lights moved in a slow, rotating formation and dragged further behind. Curious, Mr. Y pulled over again, retrieving a flashlight he had in his car to signal at the aircraft. What a fucking idiot. In (laughs) response, uh, just like his daughter. In response, the craft weaved back and forth, but not much else. So, he continued his drive and reached his friend's house. He had come to pick up his friend and travel together to the village of Ride. Mr. Y waited in his car outside of the friend's house, and when the friend came out to the car, they claimed to see the shape of the aircraft illuminated faintly by Mr. Y's taillights. 
The giant object hovered in silence, quote, played in hide and seek between the treetops. Uh. As the two left for their destination, they eventually lost sight of the red lights. So he has he had some weird stories himself. Yeah, he's a bit predisposed to That's my thought exactly. Whimsical stories, yeah. He was already somebody who was pretty convinced. He didn't need any more convincing. Right. But just some more theories about Sam. Mm-hmm. The phrase I am all colors, Sam, is a point of interest in the story. Yeah. And some people point to it referring to the radiation spectrum. Okay. Electromagnetic radiation. Color is a quality of light. Light occupies a fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum. However, light is the only form of electromagnetic radiation that is perceivable to the human eye. Mm-hmm. So all colors could mean all perceived color, meaning all colors Sam could roughly translate to I am Sam as far as you know in the current form you perceive me as. Hmm. To you, I am Sam. And whatever Sam is, is this thing that he has showed himself as, which is this happy little clown man. Yeah. These are some very elaborate descriptions. You know, like, I am all color Sam, which I feel like to a child is just like, yeah, I'm this weird, wacky guy with all the colors. Yeah, some I'm people are like, Sam. this means... That from all perceivable colors, because if you think about the electromagnetic system, it's only the perceived colors. So perhaps he is telling us in a convoluted manner that he is in fact an alien and children tell the truth. This feels like um, my ex who would derive complex backstory lines from like this weird one sentence I said one time (laughs) that didn't mean at all what the fuck she thought it meant, but she convinced herself that it meant something more. This feels akin to that. Yeah, and that's why you're cheating on me. Huh? I just said I ate an apple for lunch. Yeah, I know what that means, you slut. (laughs) When you eat an apple, what you're really saying is that you're craving juices, and we all know where you want to get juices from. Why are you thinking about juices? Why are you thinking about juices? Because I'm a lesbian and I'm horny. Hey man, I love a good glass of juice as well. <laughs> a brimming glass of apple juice. I love apple juice. And it also helps you poop, which is a bonus of an already tasty beverage. I have a question. Sure, I have an answer. I really love orange juice. In fact, I drink it every morning. Are you a pulp or a no pulp? No pulp. Why would Are you? Are you a child? Sure. Child. Sure. If a child is like, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Food and drinks. The kid version is just the best version, and there's an issue with that. Like, no crust on a sandwich. Who really loves the crust on a sandwich? Yeah, I don't really. Like, I think we all just grow up and we go, well, I can't be cutting the crust off anymore because I'm going to look an idiot. Because you do when you cut the crust off a sandwich. Uh, it's more of laziness for me. If someone's going to be watching me eating the sandwich, I'm not going to cut the crust off. But if I really am with a certain kind of bread, I don't want the crust, I'll cut that shit off. Because why? It's mm. the, the nasty flesh of the bread. You have so much energy on your hands i'm just saying for not wanting pulp which is the sperm in the orange juice <laughs> get a bunch of tadpoles in your mouth uh, like yeah no i, I don't want pulp. that just, you love pulp it feels natural organic you know what it feels fresh i got fresh orange in there <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting more vitamins and nutrients yeah that's real fresh because <laughs> i'm eating I'm eating the skin of an orange. You probably like skin on your chicken. I do. Yeah. If I eat chicken. I can't really blame you, but the pulp, no. Pulp's this guy. Pulp just tastes (laughs) like it's like, I some pulp accidentally got into this batch. Oops. Uh, Here's the thing. I felt the same way 
until I cultured myself and went to Thailand. And there they have orange juice, but it's like full, like chunks of orange. Okay. And there. Well, you can buy heavy pulp. You can buy heavy pulp orange juice. Well, it's like pulp, but to an extreme. Like we don't have that kind of orange juice here. Like chunks of oranges. In uncivilized America. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like fucking delicious. I loved it. At first I was like, oh, this is repulsive. This is gross. And then I drank more of it. And I was like, you know what? Actually, this is fantastic. This is what my life was missing. And it was the happiest I've ever been. 2018 in Thailand. And I attribute my depression to not having enough pulp in my orange juice. And also a global pandemic. But I think <laughs> that you can have your pulp. Mm-hmm. And I will have my little baby orange syrup drink that's mainly just sugar and probably not even real. Hey. I'm a little baby man and I must always be protected from danger. Hey, don't sell yourself short. That orange juice is just as much orange juice as mine. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is the, the future that MLK dreamed of. <laughs> You're as much an orange juice drinker as i am my juice is your juice your <laughs> juice is my juice this juice hey, should we talk about you and me but the whole thing that we were supposed to be talking about yeah oh yeah i don't know what were you even talking about a clown um no just a weird story a weird story um i encourage people to look more into it it's pretty interesting i found out about this through initially i think back on this podcast called the kryptonaut podcast which i'm a big fan of mm. uh you guys should check out if you if you haven't already that's a cool name also astonishing legends i believe also did an episode on it mm. uh, which i love astonishing legends however i have not heard their episode on that i will probably i probably should have before this but you know what you those are two wanna... podcasts that if you like this podcast, you'll probably like those podcasts because they're w- much better funded than this, than this podcast. Better funded? <laughs> yeah, very well funded. Okay, but less soul and character. You know, because that's what I, when I look at us on this webcast, <laughs> I see these two <laughs> toothy, pale, scrawny white people. I think that's soul, baby. <laughs> Brimming with soul. That's jazz. That's showbiz, baby. I definitely... You know, if you looked at me, probably play like the trumpet, <laughs> you know? Totally. A clarinet. If I looked at you, I would think that you played maybe like the French horn. Thank you. That's that's, that's high praise coming from the clarinet lady. <laughs> I'm not. I'm the trumpet. <laughs> the trump. Yeah, the trump. The trumpeteer. We both play instruments in which it, it uh, entraps our saliva and we have to use a nozzle to let it all out. <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. It's fucking disgusting. There's like goop at the end. Do you have to empty it out at the end? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Now that's pulp. That's some pulp. And with that, I think this concludes today's minisode oh. on Sam the Sandown Clown. A pretty weird story. Uh, maybe you're in the camp of, that's just a bunch of little girl boy made up stuff. Or you could be like, hey, this is a story of high strangeness. There's some pulp in there. There's some weird shit in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, kids make up a ton of stuff. That was, like, even weird for a kid, right? Yeah, well, whenever I think about that, I think of, like, Alice in Wonderland and shit like that. Like, that stuff is really detailed and weird as fuck, too. That's true, yeah. But also, on the other hand... Rabbits. Alice came out of this weird story, and it was so bizarre, no one believed her. And yet, it happened. Well, it didn't because it's a work of fiction. Or did it? And and this story is definitely not a work of fiction. <laughs> this one is definitely real. This one's definitely real because I say so. Right, triangle eye, square nose, yellow lip man with no neck. I'll get the figurine so we can see it, and I'll post the picture of the figurine on Instagram. Anytime like I, I want to describe the 
physicality of something, I feel like I need to become like an old-timey news reporter. Like what? You know, like... He was a man with no neck, with triangle eyes and a square nose, and yellow painted lips. He had three toes and towered over anyone he came into contact with. Gee whiz, says the crowd, as they observed the tall freak. The man, according to passers-by, appeared to be wearing a triangle hat and put berries in his ears. The crowd gasped at this ghastly figure. How ugly, they proclaim. And I agree. Here's what President Franklin Delano had to say about this. <laughs> now that you've heard the full story, here is this 3D yes. printed version of All Colors Sam that I got on Etsy. Oh, yeah. He's hot, isn't he? Look at that. He's super hot. His finger huh? already broke actually, off. Both of them right there. Actually, seeing um, the figurine makes it more believable to me. Yeah? Cool. Well, then, guys, definitely check this out on Instagram. I'll post a picture of this figurine that yeah, I... Yeah, no, you definitely should. He's kind of he's kind of cute. Yeah, he's, he's kind of cute. He's kind of cute. I enjoy. That's pulpy for sure. That's my kind of pulp. <laughs> well, kids, it's been fun. Mo, where can they... What are they going to do? Are they going to check out our socials? Jeez, I hope so. Uh, so <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode um, as much as I did, you can... Stay up to date on everything that happens, all our episodes and whatnots on our Facebook and Instagram at According to an Idiot. You can also stay up to date on our Twitter at Idiots Accord. And if you would like to give us feedback on this episode or perhaps tell us how much pulp you would like in your orange juice, you can send us an email at according to an idiot at gmail.com. If you really enjoyed this podcast episode, you can support us even further by subscribing to our Patreon, where we have a lot of different benefits like ad-free listening and early releases. And you can also help us choose our next episode topic. So if you have something that you're dying to hear about, uh, we would we would die to tell you. We're going to die. About it. We're going to die. We're going to die. <laughs> we, are, we are simply going to perish. Polls. Polls. I'm not Polish people. Polls. Uh, Patreon polls. <laughs> you can participate in our Patreon polls. Yeah. We give you a list of things that we're interested in talking about or that people have recommended that we look into. Mm -hmm. And then you can vote on it and determine what goes into your ears from our mouths. Ooh. Also, you can leave a review on iTunes and Spotify now. Yes. That helps us possibly the most because it helps other people find us. And we are largely a grassroots organization here. Word of mouth. So make sure you tell all your friends about these two weirdos that talk to you every month. I'm grass and your roots. I like it. Grass and roots duo <laughs> your roots you're all like gnarled and disfigured <laughs> yes dirty and gross yes i'm grass peed on <laughs> pissed on shit on violated soiled stepped on tore up <laughs> replanted <sighs> anyways guys. never allowed to grow to your full potential tell me about it tell me about it yeah <laughs> anyways if you would like us to reach our full potential Please support us and whatever that means to you. Even if it's just, you know, giving us a thousand dollars. Yeah. A small donation of a thousand dollars. That may be insignificant to you, but that is the world to us. It is. And really kind of our yearly salary and one one payment. A thousand dollars. That small pocket change could change the lives of these two people. You can feed us. We'll we'll both get Two $500 steaks with that $1,000. <laughs> I mean, it will go to truly support the podcast. Anyways, we're rambling, and it's time to say goodbye. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I will see you 
in time. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs>